Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Friends, welcome again to Engage 360 at Denver Seminary. My name is Don Payne, your host. We are again grateful for you spending a little bit of time with us. Let's dive right into our topic for this episode. Uh, Lots of research and conversation have gone into the value and the importance of multi-generation ministry approaches and into particular generations like Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z. Currently, there may not be as much cutting-edge research interest in the baby boomer generation, but that is part of multi-generational ministry. Uh, demographically, boomers are those born between 1946 and 1964. So right now, boomers are those between the ages of 59 and 77. Uh, the Pew Research Center noted that baby boomers have always had an outsized presence compared with other generations. They peaked at 78.8 million in 1999 and remained the largest living adult generation until 2019. Now, we're not here in this episode to talk specifically about multi-generational ministry, but about what's going on with boomers that warrants unique attention as they seek to flourish in this stage of life when many think they've been put out to pasture, so to speak, and when the church doesn't always know how to equip them and to draw on all that God has given them. Uh, So our guests to help us in that conversation are Richard and Leona Bergstrom, Uh, who formed a ministry called Reignite. I'll give you their website later. Uh, And through that ministry, they seek to help boomers make an impact on the world. So I want to welcome the two of you, Richard, Leona. Glad to have you on Engage 360. Thank you. Thanks, and great to be with you, Don. Um, Actually, Richard is a Denver Seminary graduate from 1976, so it's good to have an alum with us. Um, Always good to talk to folks who've walked these hallowed halls. And I think I first saw you if I'm not mistaken, when you participated in one of our In Perspective webinars a year or two ago. Is that correct? Were you with us on, right. on one of our yeah on webinars? I thought so. Well, it's good to see you again. Um, the, Berg, the Bergstroms have spent over 40 years in ministries of various sorts, pastoral, consulting, writing, speaking. So they bring a, a wealth of experience and uh, research to the question of how those in the baby boomer age bracket can be fully engaged as members of Christ's body and mission. And they've actually uh, produced a number of books I'll tell you about where they've, they've dealt with various issues uh, facing uh, boomers. Uh, their first book, I think, was called Amazing Grays, Unleashing the Power of Age in Your Congregation. That's from 2000. And then Third Calling, uh, What Are You Doing with the Rest of Your Life from 2016. And most recently, their book, Emerging, Boomers Speak Out About Life in and Beyond the Pandemic from 2022. Uh, Let's kick off a conversation this way. What prompted you to write your most recent book, Emerging? Why why is this an important message now? Well, we really felt like uh, something needed to be said about this whole topic. And part of it was our own need to process the events of uh, COVID in our lives and the isolation that occurred with that um, and all of the various implications for life and ministry and work. So uh, it was our own exercise in, in dealing with uh, uh, the, the pandemic and its impact. 
I'll add, we started really optimistically writing this thing in 2021 as we were hearing um, our peers deal with all the issues of not being able to see their grandparents or not feeling purpose and all the things we were feeling. So being that we always would write in response to what we were experiencing and what our peers were experiencing, we thought, well, we'll write about that because everything's looking really good, right? And then those variants came and we realized we had nothing to say. We didn't have any oh. answers to all of them. And we just kept processing it for really a whole nother year. So writing it, writing the book is a expression of some of our own processing of what the pandemic meant in our lives, in our ministry, in our family. And then what really capstoned it was listening to other people's stories mm. and realizing not one person on this globe was not affected by the pandemic and that we needed to tell those stories. We needed to process together. We needed to move forward together, not just as uh, a globe, but as a generation and to figure out some of these things. So some of it comes out of our own, you know, our own processing, our own difficulties through that period of time and what it brought together as a generation. Yeah. Well, overall, how have you seen the pandemic affect boomers? Uh, you hinted at this maybe just a little bit in your previous comments, Leona, but how, how have you seen the pandemic affect boomers, maybe in some unique ways? Well, the, the boomers were affected uniquely in that uh, many respects, uh, we were the first generation and, and maybe our parents, if they're still living, to be kind of sidelined by the pandemic. You know, uh, nobody wanted to kill their grandparents by hanging out with them and give, giving them COVID. And so there was, there was this, what Leona has called a line in the sand that was drawn uh, with, with a certain age that said, you know, they're more vulnerable, stay, stay away, protect them. And so many of the stories that we captured in our book had to do with boomers whose relationships with their families were impacted, with their grandchildren, not being able to be with them, uh, with their plans for retirement, all the different aspects that were unique to that generation uh, were, were impacted by uh, COVID. I remember I wrote a blog about it because all of a sudden, you know, we're the big mighty boomers. We're going to change the world always. All of a sudden, they're drawing a line around us saying they're elderly they're vulnerable. Don't get be close sure to, to them, right? Them. And while we wanted to be, yeah, we wanted to be well, but we certainly didn't want to be called elderly and vulnerable. So I think that was one thing that boomers kind of experienced was suddenly we were that group. Um, another thing I think in talking with others, we really began to feel our mortality. Oh, sure, we were someday going to die, but suddenly our own friends, um, we lost family to COVID. We had that possibility if we didn't do this right, we could die from COVID. So you really came face to face with mortality. Um, and one more thing I'll just add, and technology became a grand change in our lives. We were always comfortable with our computers and our iPhones and our iPads and all those, but suddenly everything depended on technology. That was huge for for our generation. Yeah, it took every it kind of escalated everything to to new levels of intensity uh, and new levels of yeah. need need and dependency, didn't it? 
right. you know what when when uh, when I got the conversation going, I had mentioned that um, lots of lots of boomers, um, at least now, since many boomers are retired or getting close to retirement, uh, one of the key questions that lots of boomers are asking is what you've written about already. You know, what do I do now? What do I do with the rest of my life? And uh, many boomers experience uh, a sense of being kind of on the bench in in their church ministries and not knowing where their value is in in ministry. Uh, I'm I'm going to assume that that's an ongoing struggle for lots of boomers and lots of churches anyway. But did you see in your observations, your interviews, do you see the pandemic uh, accelerating that, exacerbating that, um, w- which was already a struggle? Yes. Even in normal times, you know, that transition into so-called retirement, uh, where you where you reach a stage where you're stepping away from a career, a profession, your work life, you enter into this this unknown, this great abyss of uncertainty. And it can become a difficult transition for people when so much of their identity has been tied up in their work or their career. And even for pastors, you know, in, in, in churches, their identity is very much tied up in that role. And so um, I heard an interesting podcast recently by a gentleman uh, from up in Canada that talked about these four different phases of retirement. And initially it's, it's kind of a lost feeling. And, and until they uh, get to the point where they realize they're going to have to kind of reinvent this phase of their life and re-engage in serving others in community, that it can be a real um, time of isolation and a lack of structure, a lack of meaning in their lives. Yep. We've also seen boomers easily leave the church because it was really easy to do online and we could go all over the place and we could visit all kinds of churches. And we've talked with pastors that say, you know, they're not coming back um, for whatever reason. We're still exploring some of those church boomer issues. Do you think it's the case that of all the people who have not come back, are the boomers predominant in that group? Well, I think that uh, one of the factors simply has been the safety factor with COVID is is that yeah. the older adults being more vulnerable or more susceptible to health implications might have been the slowest to return. And beside that, um, with the increased emphasis on a legitimate emphasis on reaching families and reaching younger, that many of our peers have felt somewhat um, set aside by their churches. And some specific cases come to mind where maybe the volume has gone up and the lights have gone down and it's much more dynamic and aggressive form of worship on on their gatherings. And so uh, many of them that we know personally have kind of hived off from their local church and found uh, another place to land, if at all. Okay. I think on a positive note, though, Richard has uncovered who some churches that have been innovative in bringing generations together through this pandemic and mentoring and, you know, online conversations and reaching out to the generations in unique ways. So it hasn't all been bad. It's been fertile ground for innovation. 
I'd be curious uh, to know, just in a in a really broad sense, what your uh, ministry with boomers overall encompasses, what you're seeing, um, what some of the unique challenges are you're facing, what what um, stories of encouragement uh, you have that would really help mobilize, um, give a new vision perhaps to many church leaders as they uh, minister to boomers and try to equip them. Our biggest theme as reflected in our earlier book, Third Calling, was to basically challenge the dominant paradigm of retirement as leisure. And we wrote this book in, in Surprise, Arizona, where we hold up for a, a month back in 2016. And all around us, we could see evidence of this retirement paradigm. Uh, you know, your day consists of golfing, pickleball, mm -hmm. tennis, biking, walking, uh, any number of, of great things to do. But our challenge is that uh, leisure as an end in itself is not the goal. It's a byproduct of a living a meaningful uh, spiritual life. And so even though we also enjoy many of those same leisure activities, it's not our ultimate purpose in life. And it's a huge challenge to challenge that, uh, that retirement paradigm because the, the culture and the economy has so reinforced it. This is, this is what you're here for now, is to play and enjoy the fruit of your labor. But one example of that, uh, I interviewed a pastor down in Sun City uh, during the writing of this book, and he talked about a gentleman, Christian gentleman, who, who retired and came to Arizona and he golfed seven days a week and ultimately kind of came to the end of himself and went to his pastor and, and just asked for some counsel. And he basically kind of realigned his life around some more spiritual values. He, he still golfed, but it wasn't the end all of his life. It wasn't the total focus of his life. To yeah. camp on that, the focus of our ministry is to kind of go back to individual boomers and say, how did God create you? What is unique about you, your, your strengths, your spiritual gifts, your motivations, your talents, all those things that make you the wonderful person God's designed you to be. Now, in this new stage of life, what are you passionate about and how is God going to use you in a new way in this new stage of life? So technically we do it through our writing, but we've also done retreats and online education and seminars and that kind of thing to try to help individuals grasp that unique calling, that third calling. Okay. Has anything about your approach changed because of the pandemic? Yeah. Or, or are you, are you seeing everything? Okay. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, it really, I mean, aside from the fact that uh, in 2018, we actually had recorded our retreat curriculum and put it online as a video course, which was ahead of COVID, not anticipating that, it, you know, it would become uh, online and virtual activity would become the norm. But at the same time, you know, we've, we've had to, uh, of course, travel and speaking and retreats all dried up during COVID. Uh, so like everyone, we had to, to use an overused word pivot and, uh, and go online with Zoom meetings and retreats and webinars and things like that. But, uh, but people are starting to come back and uh, some engagements are starting to resume. But just like the seminary and other institutions have had to uh, modify their approach in this online era, uh, so have we. Have you found it to be the case that because of the pandemic, uh, many people in the retirement phase of life have 
had to um, alter the way they they find that new um, output of life, that new uh, that new sense of meaning and direction, that sense of ministry. Have they have they had to change that because of the pandemic? Yes, and a lot of those stories are are interwoven between the chapters of our book. But one that comes to mind is a a woman uh, using a pseudonym, Priscilla. She she retired in Southern California just before COVID hit. And so she had all these plans for travel and involvement in her church and opportunities to serve and they all evaporated. And so she had to work through that vacuum during the pandemic. And, and, and now I assume, and I hope is beginning to come out of that and re-engage, but it really shut down a lot of people's plans and priorities for uh, an extended period of time. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. I think that people are our age had time to reflect. Everybody had more time to reflect. And what do we do with these precious moments and years of our life if we are given those back to us after many of us thought they would be snuffed out? Um, and so we have to deal with some of the grief that we all experienced. We lost a lot during that pandemic, um, not just our health, but individual systems relationships um, and to acknowledge that grief and be leaders and elders in this matter of going forth in healing and in creating new structures and creating new relationships. I think that's been our main challenge. Not that we're not excited necessarily to go back to the big conferences or the big things, are we so much? <laughs> um, but to help individuals really find what God has done in their lives even through the pandemic and still wants to do in their lives in the future that he's not done with us yet. Yeah. We, we said some, the back of the book that, you know, I, I always love what we wrote on the back of the book. I don't know. I said, we're not done or are we done in We're on the contrary, we're stronger, more resolute, more committed to finding renewed faith and purpose. We are emerging and we're trying to make that a forward movement from the pandemic into what's the future. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Have you found um, any one or two things that are that have been most effective in helping people find that um, that fresh new chapter of life, that fresh new vision? And I'm asking that yeah. on, on behalf of a lot of church leaders who would love. I mean, they're walking alongside a lot of lots of people in those retirement years, and and really want to know how to help them find that next chapter, that next vision. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for many years, our focus was on uh, senior adult programming. Uh, we took it on, on a role nationally and locally, kind of in tandem to try to program things for older adults, 55 plus, second half ministry, third, third, whatever you want to call it. We have totally shifted our focus to target the individual message, head and heart, and to try to get inside the heads and the hearts of older adults to challenge them with a vision for this phase of their life. Um, the, the society, the culture may not offer it to them. And frankly, the church may not at all times offer that vision to older adults because they themselves perhaps don't have the vision for that stage of life. Uh, and they, they don't understand that it can still be a productive, meaningful time, whether it's through volunteerism, service of some kind or another, but just trying to instill within the individual this vision 
for purpose and meaning, but it, 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 they have to take responsibility for it because they're not always getting it from uh, the people or the institutions that surround them, and particularly okay. not the culture. Oh, okay, okay. And always with the caveat that it is usually, when it's God-given, it will serve others. It will mean uh, loving others, reaching to the next generations. It's not self-serving, but the passion will be to make a difference in the, in the lives of other people. Hmm. And that's when people come alive, is when they realize God's not done with them. Have, have you experienced lots of older adults um, being very insecure about or very doubtful about whether they have anything that would be of benefit to the next generations? Oh, absolutely. I think that's kind of the dominant uh, understanding or perception that they have. And, uh, and, and getting over that takes uh, some real understanding and, and, and some reaching out, I think, to try to involve yourself in uh, next generations. There's some great models of this, even in the culture. I think of uh, civic ventures that became Encore that's now become CoGen under Mark Friedman out in the uh, Bay Area okay. has kind of led, led the culture in this. And, and they have really attempted to, to lay a vision, cast a vision for older adults um, involvement in and mentoring uh, the next generations. Mark Friedman wrote a book uh, called How to Live Forever, which sounds like a seminary theological book, but it's really about uh, <laughs> older adults. It's about older adults investing in the next generations because it's not coming from a faith basis per se, but from a cultural basis. Oh, good recommendation. You know, your, your book Emerging uh, is, uh, is a collection of interviews, right? A uh, collection of stories based on interviews you've had. It's the, the interviews are interspersed between the chapters to try to uh, best, as best possible, illustrate what we're talking about in the chapters. And so for me, um, that was my part in the book as well as some of the chapters, but so fascinating to actually uh, invite people to a sur survey online and then invited them to an interview beyond that and then just created a narrative for each of those stories to try to help people see what this was like for their peers. And it's fascinating to see the breadth of perspective and of, of uh, frankly, conviction about everything from politics to the pandemic. Because as you know, we're a divided country yeah. and uh, many churches divided over some of the issues that arose during COVID. So what do you think are, are, is one of the most compelling stories uh, that came out of all that? Actually, my most fascinating story was the gentleman we met on an airplane in January of 2020 on our way to Denver. Okay, tell us. And, uh, and on, we got to talking about uh, older adult issues because he was in the, the, the nursing home industry and responsible for the entire West Coast of, uh, of his company's nursing homes and assisted living. He gave me his card when he got off of the plane. His name was Todd Fletcher, and he was the VP of uh, Life Care Centers of America. Little did he know in the next month that his facility in Kirkland, Washington, was going to blow up as the epicenter of COVID-19 breaking out in the United States. Uh, and so we, we maintained a cordial relationship in that via email. He agreed to be interviewed for our book, and his story, his very compelling story, is one of the chapters in the book. 
part of that whole story was my former church, North Shore Community Church in Kirkland, Washington, that adopted the Life Care Center of America uh, of Kirkland to bring them meals for six weeks. They provided lunch and dinner meals to support that staff through the crisis. So there was kind of a three-way bonding that took place with myself and, and Mr. Fletcher and, and one of the pastors at the North Shore Church as this whole thing un, unraveled. But I think another story that actually Leona might want to share is the uh, the restaurant story. I, I'm thinking of the Canlis. It's, oh. it's fascinating how they got through this from a business perspective here in Seattle. Well, we so cleverly divided our book in three sections, disorder, reorder, and order, which is nothing new. But one of the disorder, we talked about um, diversifying, the importance of diversifying. And we used the story of the restaurant here in, in, in Seattle called Canlis. It's arguably the nicest restaurant in Seattle. It certainly has the most family history. And the owner um, of that restaurant is a good friend of our son. So we kind of follow what they're doing. Well, here they are, fine dining restaurant has to close down, of course, during the pandemic as all restaurants did. And they, had, they wanted to figure out, okay, Seattle doesn't need fine dining right now. What does Seattle need? And they just dreamed up all kinds of things that they would do, outdoor burger shacks. This is a fine dining place. Um, they built a tiki shack in the back for a few weeks. They, but the most interesting was they developed a Canlis Community College, they called it, and they just created classes on everything in Seattle, whether it was cooking, um, uh, what did they do, appetizers or something, and wine tasting, and all these things from Seattle. But what was interesting is the creativity with which they diversified, and they kept changing what they did in order to serve Seattle. They served charities at the same time, and what it taught us is, hey, be creative through this whole thing. Don't be stuck in what we have always done. Um, and so we tried to use that story to encourage individuals as well as churches and institutions to, okay, we can't do things the same old way we've always done it, but there are creative ways. And yeah, pivot got way overused as a word, but um, I, we use the word diversify so that it would fo fall in with the D words. <laughs> Um, to just be creative and, and think out of the box. And so that's kind of one of our fun stories of, of Mark and, and Brian Canlis at Canlis Restaurant. Uh, well, that, that I think is one of the greatest um, gifts that perhaps your work is giving to those in retirement, the, the retirement era is to continue to be generative and, and creative, that this is not a time for being stuck or thinking about the same old things in the same old ways, which may, um, this, this, this perhaps is a little bit of stereotyping, but it, that may be an easy default for many. Um, many of us in Absolutely. those later years of life just kind of get stuck in, in the same ways of thinking about the same things, uh, and creativity may become more and more difficult, and yet at the same time, the most important thing we could do. I, I just saw a Facebook posting uh, this week uh, from a woman who's pointing out that this educational institution uh, some years back uh, failed to adapt to the way things were going with technology and online learning and uh, has basically as an institution. I know that Denver Seminary has been very aggressive in trying to reinvent itself in this yeah. era. Yeah, we and, have. Uh, even mm -hmm. what you, and so uh, cre creativity and flexibility 
and adapting has been important for churches as well. And some, uh, many of the stories that we captured were of churches trying to survive during this time. I know it's been a tough time for pastors and for churches getting through and now coming out of the pandemic. It was a time of division in that. But one, one of the stories was just about this same church, North Shore, that had launched a, uh, uh, a streaming service in the fall of 2019 as their next church plant. So when COVID hit, they were way ahead of the ball game in terms of adapting to the new realities. And so they were able to uh, actually be a teaching church, helping other churches get up to speed with how to deliver their message during COVID. Mm-hmm. You throw in the fact that God is in this whole picture and that he's the creator and he's created within each of us all the things he's designed us to be and a calling. And you've got a pretty dynamic um, formula there. Yeah, yeah yes. creativity yeah. never goes out of fashion. Creativity never ages out, does it? That's right. That's never right. Ages out. Well, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to get to know the two of you a little better and to have our listeners hear more about what you're doing and what you've made available. Uh, your website is uh, reignite.net, but re-ignite.net. Is that correct? That's right. And uh, what are the what kinds of resources can people find there? Uh, we have uh, resources for learning, growing, and engaging in our message and our ministry. And uh, our whole purpose is to help people find and renew and reignite their purpose in life and calling, especially in this particular and unique stage that we call, uh, some call the third third uh, that we have written about and and just want to really encourage our peers to stay in the game and continue to give back. Uh, The word for that technically is generativity, just keep giving back. Yeah, good word. Thanks to both of you for taking some time with us and for all the work that you've done and continue to do. I'm excited about that and want to commend your work and uh, your resources to our listeners and hope they can um, take advantage of that and learn and continue to grow and get some fresh ideas for uh, their own lives and for the lives of those they serve. Richard and Leona Bergstrom, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to spend some time with you. Friends, this has been Engage 360 from Denver Seminary. I want to encourage you uh, again to visit our website, which is denverseminary.edu, or contact us if you'd like at podcast at denverseminary.edu. That's our email address. Uh, Please leave us a rating and review if you get a chance to do that, and if any of these interviews have been meaningful or helpful to you, and recommend us to a friend. We would love that. Uh, Thanks to all of you who support us, who pray for us, who recommend students here and to all of you who are students or alums, Richard, yourself included. uh, Thanks for having invested part of your life here with us at Denver Seminary. And we hope that the Lord just blesses and encourages you very, very richly in all that you continue to do. Uh, Bergstrom's, thanks to you. Thanks uh, to all of you listeners. And we'll look forward to another conversation with you very soon. Take care.